0: Section 7 of Examining the U.S. Capitol Attack by the U.S. Senate. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 7. Opaque Capitol Police Board Processes Slowed Requests for National Guard Support. As described above, the U.S. Capitol Police is overseen by the Capitol Police Board, comprised of the House and Senate Sergeants-at-Arms, and the architect of the capitol footnote the uscp chief serves on the board as an ex officio non-voting member returning to the text the purpose of the board is to quote direct oversee and support the capitol police in its mission as well as to advance coordination between congress the capitol police the sergeants at arms of the house and the senate and the architect of the Capitol. Unquote. Mr. Stenger told the committees that the Capitol Police Board is intended to be a quote, clearinghouse of information unquote, and ensure coordination between the House and Senate rather than an operational entity. The Capitol Police Board, however, has broad authority and control over key operational decisions. Footnote. For example, Mr. Sun testified that he quote, could not deliver water to USCP officers on a hot day, unquote, without Capitol Police Board approval. Returning to the text, one of those responsibilities is declaring emergencies for the purpose of accepting support services and approving the appointment of special officers. Yet none of the members of the Capitol Police Board appeared fully familiar with the process or requirements relating to emergency declarations or requesting external support. This lack of familiarity with the process delayed requests for National Guard assistance on and before January 6th. A. Capitol Police Board members did not understand the statutory and regulatory authorities of the Capitol Police Board. Persuant to two U.S.C. Section 1970, quote, executive departments and executive agencies may assist the United States Capitol Police in the performance of its duties when requested by the Capitol Police Board, unquote. Footnote, the statute also provides that the Capitol Police Board must consult with congressional leaders in non-emergency situations. Returning to the text, the Capitol Police Board must submit a written request for external assistance. However, during emergencies, the House and Senate Sergeants-at-Arms may authorize the request for their respective chambers. A separate statutory provision, 2 U.S.C. Section 1974, authorizes the U.S. Capitol Police Chief to appoint special officers, quote, in the event of an emergency, as determined by the Capitol Police Board." Although there is a statutory requirement that any Capitol Police Board request for external assistance be in writing, Capitol Police Board members inform the committees that a board vote on or request for support from external agencies may be done orally and subsequently documented. Thus, the U.S. Capitol Police Chief may not directly request support from executive agencies, including the National Guard. Instead, the U.S. Capitol Police Chief of Police submits a written request to the Capitol Police Board seeking 1. An emergency declaration and 2. Approval to request external assistance. Capitol Police Board members disagreed as to whether a vote needs to be unanimous. Mr. Stinger informed the committees that unanimity is required, whereas Mr. Blanton indicated that only a majority vote was needed. If two board members agreed, the request would be approved. Footnote. The Capitol Police Board manual states, quote, unless specifically stated otherwise in this manual, the Board will strive for a consensus in all decisions, unquote. It further provides an exception, allowing a majority of the Board to take action on matters involving the, quote, safety, welfare, and preservation of the Capitol complex, unquote. Returning to the text, by statute, the Capitol Police Board would need to consult with Congressional leadership, except in an emergency. In emergency situations, the USCP chief need only secure the approval of the House or Senate SAAs to be able to request external assistance on their behalf in matters relating their respective chambers. However, the request for assistance must still be obtained from the SAAs in writing. There is no corresponding statutory provision providing the USCP chief with direct and independent authority to request external assistance in emergency situations. None of the Capitol Police Board members on January 6 could fully explain in detail the statutory requirements for requesting National Guard assistance. For example, when asked by Senator Blunt why he felt that he needed the approval of Mr. Stenger and Mr. Irving to request National Guard assistance, Mr. Sund testified, quote, that has always been the case, unquote. Mr. Stenger told the committees that he did not know if Capitol Police Board approval was required before requesting external assistance. Quote, but that's what we thought, and we were more than happy to go along with that. Unquote. Members of the Capitol Police Board also indicated that there was no formal process for such requests. Mr. Stinger indicated that typically the USCP chief would send a written request to the Capitol Police Board, but, quote, in some cases the chief may approach, unquote, a board member individually Quote, to get a feel for what support may or may not, unquote, exist. Mr. Sund acknowledged that he typically went directly to the House and Senate SAAs, rather than submitting a formal request to the entire board. When discussing the approval process, the Capitol Police Board members did not distinguish between emergency or non-emergency situations the architect of the Capitol also expressed concern about transparency and accountability of the Capitol Police Board. Specifically, he informed the committees that the Board quote, overclassifies things that do not need to be classified. Even looking at old security assessments, they were classified at such a high level, unquote. According to Mr. Blanton, the board does not circulate an unclassified summary of the relevant information, as occurs in executive branch agencies. This overclassification can hinder conversations about proposed requests and oversight of the Capitol Police Board's decision making. Quote The transparency aspect is even more troubling because when everything is classified, you can't enter into a logical discussion with leadership and oversight about the proposals. It reduces the ability of people in my office and in oversight of the Capitol Police Board to review relevant information. Not everybody is read into particular programs. Not everybody has top-secret clearance, unquote. All members of the Capitol Police Board, as constituted on January 6th, later agreed that reforms were necessary to clarify, streamline, and make the approval process more nimble. As Mr. Stenger testified, quote, there are a lot of statutes out there on the Capitol Police Board that go back many, many years. Things have changed, B. USCP did not submit a formal request for National Guard assistance to the Capitol Police Board prior to January 6th. Prior to January 6th, Mr. Sun failed to submit a formal request for National Guard support to all members of the Capitol Police Board and thus never sought nor received authority from the Board to make any such request. His interactions were limited to informal conversations with Mr. Irving and Mr. Stenger. In fact, no one ever discussed the possibility of National Guard support with the board's third voting member, the architect of the Capitol, Brent Blanton. Mr. Sun testified that he asked the two SAAs to declare an emergency and authorize National Guard assistance on Monday, January 4th, but that this request was denied. Mr. Sun testified to the committee's that on January 4th, around 11 a.m., he met in person with Mr. Irving to request that the Capitol Police Board make an emergency declaration and authorize the assistance of the National Guard. Mr. Sun testified that Mr. Irving, quote, was concerned with the optics of having National Guard present, unquote, did not believe the intelligence warranted assistance from the National Guard, and therefore did not support the request. Mr. Sund further testified that Mr. Irving referred him to Mr. Stanger to discuss the request. According to Mr. Sund, Mr. Stanger did not approve the request, and instead suggested that Mr. Sund, quote, lean forward, unquote, and contact the National Guard to determine how quickly and what kind of assistance could be provided if needed. Acting on Mr. Stenger's advice, Mr. Sund testified that he called General Walker, the commander of the D.C. National Guard, around 6.45 p.m. on January 4th, explaining that he did not have the authority to request assistance, and asked how quickly D.C. National Guard could respond to a request. According to Mr. Sund, General Walker informed Mr. Sund that he had 125 National Guard troops supporting COVID response in Washington, D.C., that could be repurposed if necessary. Mr. Sund testified that he met in person with Mr. Stenger on January 5th around noon and reported the conversation with General Walker. Mr. Sund also testified that later in the day he told Mr. Irving about the conversation with General Walker. Mr. Sund did not contact Mr. Blanton, the third voting member of the Capitol Police Board, regarding the request. General Walker corroborated the majority of Mr. Sund's account. However, General Walker testified that he spoke with Mr. Sund on January 3rd, and asked Mr. Sund whether he would be requesting assistance from D.C. National Guard. According to General Walker, Mr. Sund told him he was not allowed to request support, but asked, quote, if I do call you, will you be able to support me, Unquote. General Walker testified that he responded, quote, yes, but I have to get approval from the Secretary of the Army, and ultimately the Secretary of Defense, because it is a federal request, Mr. Irving and Mr. Stenger disputed Mr. Sund's testimony about his request for emergency authorization for D.C. National Guard assistance. Neither Mr. Irving nor Mr. Stenger perceived the conversations with Mr. Sund as a formal request to the board. Mr. Irving testified that on January 4th he spoke by phone with Mr. Sund on a call that later included Mr. Stenger about an offer from the National Guard to provide 125 unarmed troops for traffic duty near the Capitol. Mr. Irving testified that he, Mr. Sund, and Mr. Stenger collectively agreed the available intelligence did not warrant having troops at the Capitol. Mr. Irving further testified that the decision was not based on the optics of National Guard troops at the Capitol, contrary to Mr. Sund's testimony. Mr. Blanton confirmed to the committees that Mr. Sund never sought Capitol Police Board approval to request National Guard presence in the days before January 6th, Notably, according to the Department of Defense timeline, DOD officials confirmed with U.S. Capitol Police on January 3rd and January 4th that USCP was not requesting National Guard support. C. The USCP Chief of Police lacked authority to unilaterally request National Guard support, even in the midst of the attack. As described above, before National Guard assistance can be requested, the Capitol Police Board must issue an emergency declaration and approve a request for National Guard assistance. Footnote. By contrast, the committees were informed that USCP has mutual aid agreements with law enforcement agencies. The USCP chief does not need the Capitol Police Board's approval to activate those agreements. Returning to the text, THE STATUTE GOVERNING ASSISTANCE FROM EXECUTIVE DEPARTMENTS AND AGENCIES PROVIDES THAT THE HOUSE AND SENATE SAAs MAY REQUEST ASSISTANCE FROM EXECUTIVE DEPARTMENTS AND EXECUTIVE AGENCIES FOR THEIR RESPECTIVE CHAMBERS IN AN EMERGENCY. THEREFORE, AS THE ATTACK UNFOLDED, MR. SUND NEEDED MR. STENGERS AND MR. IRVING'S APPROVAL before he could formally request DCNG assistance. After discussing the need for National Guard support on January 4th and relaying the subsequent conversation with General Walker on January 5th, the topic was not revisited by the Capitol Police Board until the afternoon of January 6th. By 12.50 p.m., Mr. Sund understood that, quote, the situation was deteriorating rapidly, unquote, and that outside law enforcement and National Guard assistance was necessary. Mr. Sund testified that he first contacted MPD, followed closely by the U.S. Secret Service Uniformed Division. Mr. Sund testified to the committees that he notified the two sergeants-at-arms by one hundred nine p.m., that he urgently needed support and asked them to declare a state of emergency and authorize the national guard mr sun later corrected his testimony informing the committees that his initial call to mr irving requesting an emergency declaration and national guard assistance occurred at 1258 p m mr sun testified that mr irving stated he needed to quote run it up the chain of command Unquote. that Mr. Sund followed up about the status of the request on multiple occasions, and that Mr. Irving stated he was waiting to hear back from congressional leadership. Mr. Irving disputed Mr. Sund's description of events, particularly that Mr. Sund first requested DCNG assistance at 109 p.m., Mr. Irving testified that he had, quote, no memory of a call at 109 p.m., and, based on a review of his phone records, there was no call from Mr. Sund or any other person at that time, unquote. According to Mr. Irving, the first call he received after 1 p.m. from Mr. Sund was at 128 p.m., during which Mr. Sund described the conditions outside the capital as deteriorating and indicated that he might make a request for the national guard in the future mr irving testified that mr sund did not formally request an emergency declaration or national guard authorization until after 2 p.m a request that was immediately approved mr stenger informed the committees that he met with mr irving Sometime between one thirty PM and two PM, and that Mr. Irving was waiting for approval from House leadership to move forward with the request. Mr. Sund informed the committees that Mr. Irving approved the request at 2.07 P.M. Mr. Sund conveyed the approval to Mr. Stenger and, and upon his agreement, USCP memorialized that the Capitol Police Board's official approval was given at two hundred ten PM. Phone records provided to the committees show a number of calls between mister Sund and mister Irving or mister Stenger between twelve PM and two hundred ten PM on january sixth. What follows is a timeline of calls. At twelve forty five PM Sund. Calls Irving. At twelve forty six PM Sund calls Stenger. At twelve fifty eight PM Sund calls Irving. At one hundred five PM Stenger calls Sund. At one hundred twenty one PM Stenger calls Sund. At one hundred twenty eight PM Sund calls Irving. At one hundred thirty four PM Sund calls Irving. At one hundred thirty nine PM Stenger calls Sund. At one forty-five p.m., Sund calls Irving. At 2.01 p.m., Sund calls Irving. At 2.07 p.m., Sund calls Irving. At 2.08 p.m., Sund calls Stenger. At 2.13 p.m., Stenger calls Sund. The phone records reveal only the timing, originator, and recipient of the call. They cannot corroborate the various accounts of Mr. Stenger, Mr. Irving, or Mr. Sund, text messages provide more insight. A review of Mr. Sun's text messages on January 6 reveal no messages to or mentions of Mr. Irving. There is a single message to Mr. Stenger. At 12.48 p.m. two minutes after Mr. Sun called Mr. Stenger, Mr. Sun texted Mr. Stenger. Quote, FYI, we're running a concerning suspicious package over by the Republican Club by the South Capitol Street Metro. Unquote. The only other mention of Mr. Stenger occurred at 107 PM, nine minutes after Mr. Sund claims he requested an emergency declaration. At that time, Mr. Sund texted Jennifer Hemingway, then the Deputy Senate Sergeant at Arms quote, just briefed Stenger, we had a breach of the fence line on the West Front by several thousand protesters, unquote. There is no mention of the National Guard. Regardless of when the request was made, Mr. Sund acknowledged that he made the request orally to Mr. Irving and Mr. Stenger. He did not submit a formal request to the Capitol Police Board, This need to await Capitol Police Board approval during an emergency hindered Mr. Sun's ability to quickly request the assistance of the DC National Guard. Even when under attack, the USCP chief still needed an emergency declaration from the Capitol Police Board before requesting National Guard assistance. Footnote, as discussed more below, once a request for National Guard assistance is made, that request must go through the Department of Defense's vetting and approval processes. Those processes and how they relate to the January 6th attack are discussed Infra in Part 8. End of Section 7